Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Gojo and Golik. It's Friday, but here on the show, we don't say TGIF. We say TGIAT. Thank God it's acrostic time. Good Lord. Here we are. And with every acrostic comes a good poem. Let's have at it, fellas. G is for the game that will have us all talking. O is for the player who will let his stats do the talking. Those don't rhyme. That's just the same word. L is for Lamar's place in the history books. I is for the stadium that will have the road team shook. C is for the dog that might just have its day. So let's get Gojo and Golik's takes on the games that are just 24 hours away. Wow, wow. Way to stick the landing. <laughs> After I'm, we didn't I rhyme. Confirm, we don't say TGIAT here. We should start doing that now, though. We should. We will. And I like the idea. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our producer, Tom Glenn. You know what? I mean, technically, talk and talk do rhyme because they're the same word. No, and it's talking seen... and talking, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it it, it works. It, it works. Poems are hard. It sounds... They have I, a lot of different I'm not writing functions. these. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do I it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. They. No. You know, yeah. I'm with you. We are not going to throw stones from a glass house. We're going to snap our fingers. Appreciate it. And gets to talk in the football. Um, As we look ahead at this weekend, Dad, we've talked about some of the game action, but great storylines here. So starting off with the game of the week, we just mentioned it in the last segment. To me, it's easy. It's Bill's Chiefs. Like This is the one that has the two generational quarterbacks going head-to-head. It's got all the narrative juice of Sean McDermott's Buffalo Bills coming off the weird 9-11 motivational story from 2019 that has somehow coincided with them. They got the pit out there in Buffalo that fans are sacrificing bodies to. Taylor Swift's going to be at this game. It just... All of that coupled with this immense pressure on the Buffalo Bills to go out and finally get over the hump. They finally got the game at Orchard Park and don't have to go to Arrowhead in the postseason. All of this, to me, leads to an atmosphere that should be absolutely insane. One more weather's, thankfully, I don't think going to affect the outcome as much as we've seen in some of the recent games last weekend, and I think we get an absolute banger. Yeah, I I do as well. We're hoping, because that's the last one of the weekend, that it lives up. That one, obviously, is going to get the most hype. There's no doubt about that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go away from that, and I'm going to say the game I'm calling, Green Bay at San Francisco. What Green Bay has done um, leading to this point, Mike, has been absolutely amazing with the youth that they have. I, I can't stress enough, it's the fourth youngest team in the playoffs at 25 and a half years old, the youngest team to win 
a playoff game, and they're doing it with rookie and second-year guys. It's crazy how well they're doing. They have four games where rookies accounted for more than 200 yards in receiving in the history of the Packers, and all four of those games were this year. I mean, the the first and second-year players Almost 4,000 scrimmage yards and 33 scrimmage touchdowns. I mean, mm. they are playing great. Love is not turning the ball over. I'm really excited to see what they do against what everybody believes is the Goliath of the NFC with the 49ers, who have had a chance to rest. Get Eric Armstead back to help them against the run because they've been struggling against the run. So getting him back on that D-line, how will that help? Because Aaron Jones has gone four straight games over 100 yards for Green Bay, and how much that is helping Jordan Love with his play-action pass has been incredible. San Francisco... Great as the statistically, if you look at the year against the run, but as of late, not as good. Getting Armstead back is probably is probably going to help that. But can Green Bay continue with the running game so the play action can go to the couple rookie wide receivers, the two rookie tight ends, the second year guys in Watson and Dobbs? I've just been amazed by what this team has been able to do. They are flying high right now into San Francisco. I'm so looking forward to this one. It's going to be a great one. We'll have the preview for that one coming up, too, and what could be the most impactful injury in that game as the or the San Francisco offense has an interesting challenge against Green Bay's defense that we can get to. But, Jesse, it's time to get to the O here in our acrostic. What do we got? Yeah, so actually, after not having a 100-yard receiving game all regular season, Romeo Dobbs, Packers wide receiver, had six catches for 151 yards in a touchdown in that upset win over Dallas. Those numbers were enough to make him the highest-graded wide receiver by PFF for the NFL's wild card game weekend. So, fellas, the question I want to know, who's someone that could step up this weekend, have a breakout game? What do we think? So this is a little bit of a cop-out because he's already had his breakout moment, Dad. But I look at, and something that I think is interesting given the fact that Mark Andrews could be back for the Baltimore yeah, Ravens right. on the field this week, is what Isaiah likely has been able to do for the Baltimore Ravens and the matchup he could have against some of those linebackers there. This season, among tight ends who qualify here, so minimum 25 targets, the best quarterback tight end combination in terms of passer rating was Lamar Jackson to Isaiah Likely. Lamar Jackson had a 142 passer rating when targeting Isaiah Likely. The second best combination for what it's worth was Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. So you can see the pattern that shows up here. But I think whether Mark Andrews is able to go or not, you're going to see a healthy dose of Isaiah Likely against this defense on the other side for Houston. That's got, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. on the outside, some dudes that can make you pay. I think likely in that play action game that's so potent for the Baltimore Ravens against that pass defense that struggles with it in Houston would go a long way in their team's success no matter who his counterpart in that tight end room is so you're saying likely is likely to be the breakout player extremely punny name that I don't think we've utilized properly enough as a general sports watching public by the way agreed that's why I just tried one there just I threw up the trial balloon on that one I'm going to go the Detroit-Tampa Bay game, Mike, and I'm going to go Josh Reynolds, a wide receiver for Mm, Detroit. So he was fourth on the team in receptions behind St. Brown, behind Laporta. You know, those two were way out in front, and then Jameer Gibbs, and then it was Reynolds. But he did average over 15 yards a catch during the regular season. So then in this playoff game, Sam Laporta 
played. He's got that bad knee, uh, but played anyway. Did have three catches, but for just 14 yards. I would imagine he'll be able to do a little more this week. Josh Reynolds stepped up and was the second leader receiver behind St. Brown. He had five catches, again, averaged 16 yards per catch. So this guy isn't just, you know, gaining a couple of yards. He's either catching short and, and yards after the catch or catching long. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. Again, I think Sam Laporta is going to be obviously a week healthier, but Reynolds may be a guy to turn to at times as well uh, to get something done, and he does it in chunk yardage. Yeah, uh, he has been a really interesting revelation for that team. There's no doubt. So having him opposite all the mage, uh, the main weapons that we've talked about there. Dad, we know it's your favorite thing in the postseason. Shaq calls them the others, the other guys that step yep. up in these games. And I do think between him on that side and then we talked about Aleem McNeil on the other side there defensively for them, they've got a couple of really interesting other guys that could have a chance to affect this game. But for everybody else, Dad, they're here for the big fellas. So why don't we get to the L and go legacy time. Lamar Jackson is one and three in the postseason in his career. We know early on that was a huge hang up for him, even coming off his MVP season back in 29. We expect him to be coming off another MVP season by the time we kick off the Super Bowl. So is Lamar Jackson playing for more than just a playoff win this weekend? How important is this when we start to continue to build out Lamar Jackson and his legacy in this league? Oh, it's huge because we, I think wrongly so, uh, we, we put quarterbacks with Super Bowl wins. When there's offense, there's defense, there's special teams, we all of a sudden just put the, the Super Bowl win, wins or losses on the quarterback's shoulders. I know it's the most important position. I get it. So if we're doing that, hell yeah. This guy's going to be a two-time MVP, you know, when he's, what, 15 years old? I mean, already twice considered the best in the league. And, and, and one win in the playoffs. And this year is the best team he's been on. So I, I, without question, that's going to go down now. You don't have to win a Super Bowl to be considered one of the greats of all time. See uh, Dan Marino uh, for that and, and others as well. But that's a name you know, that, that pops out of greats who have never won a championship in their sport. But, but again, that's how we're measured. That's how we're measured. So, yes, we're, we know he's a great player. We know he can be the, considered the best player in the league with the MVP awards. But what do you do then in the postseason when it matters? You know, the Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. When all of a sudden the postseason hits, how do you perform? That's what people are going to remember about you. And it's only the upper echelon of the league that, that sits in that situation, right? And he's in it considered, you know, the best in the league at what he does. And what do you have to show for it when you get to the postseason? You mentioned his youth. He would be the second youngest player and the youngest quarterback to win multiple MVPs in his career. He turned 27 the day after Baltimore's final regular season game. Only Jim Brown had more, more MVPs at a younger age at 22 years and 300 days. But Dad, I, it was interesting hearing you talk about the way we perceive Lamar Jackson and thinking about what else went on this year in sports. It reminds you in certain ways, and this comparison is hilarious given the athletic ability of the two people I'm about to mention. It's very Nikola Jokic-esque, where we know <laughs> we've got this great player who is accomplishing right. things at an all-time level. Lamar Jackson was top five in yards per attempt, touchdown and interception ratio, and passer rating this season. He went and added that element of the game, the element that we thought Greg Roman was robbing him of for so many years. He, he 
by all accounts, and this was a big year for just watching the ball because the stats didn't necessarily look like an MVP season when you propped him up against some of the other guys he was going up against. But Lamar Jackson's game has taken even that next step in that other level. The problem is now, because of that air you're in, and I mentioned Nikola Jokic because he was a guy that, because he stacked up multiple MVPs and was talked about in that way, got looked at sideways because their team hadn't gone past a certain sticking point in the postseason. Lamar Jackson would be the 10th quarterback to win multiple MVP, AP NFL MVPs. The other ones are Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Johnny Unitas, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Montana, Kurt Warner, and Steve Young. They're all guys that were made men when it came postseason time. Right. And so because like Jokic, you get to this rarefied air of personal individual accomplishment, we start to look at you and just go, all right, well, this is the one thing you haven't given us. And it would be ironic if both of these, I think like Alanis Morris said ironic, if both Lamar Jackson <laughs> and Nikola Jokic got over the hump in this same sports calendar year yeah i listen i i agree so i think a lot is fairly or unfairly because there there are those that that and i kind of lean that way i think it's kind of ridiculous to put the super bowl wins and losses just on the quarterback but that's what we do and it's not going to end so i'm not going to sit there and fight it you know i'm just going to say okay if that's how we're going to judge things then yeah he's got some work to do there he certainly does, but this year he's got the arsenal around him, but he's also been that effective. We've all seen it. We're fortunate in the AFC to have this many quarterbacks that seem to affect the game on this high a level, which Jesse is a great lead as we continue on here in the Acrostic to Patrick Mahomes and his role in this entire proceeding. Yeah, something nobody's been talking about. Um, the fact that he's playing his first <laughs> road playoff game, he addressed it with the media. Kind of just is what it is. Um... Obviously, I've been lucky enough to play a lot of games at home at Arrowhead Stadium. It kind of just everything's fell that way. Um, but now we get the great opportunity to go on the road, play in a hostile environment, one that I haven't been able to play with, stand, with fans in the stands. Um, and even though I know it's going to be hostile and it's gonna, there, there are going to be people talking trash and everything like that, I'm excited for it because, I mean, it's one of the best environments in football. And you want to do that when you grow up watching these games is play in the best environments and see what it's like. He can't wait to get put through a table in Buffalo. <laughs> Listen, if you drink every time someone brings up the fact that this is Mahomes' first road playoff win, you would be just drunk enough to attend a Bills Mafia tailgate. So that might actually be the perfect pregame going into this weekend. Dad, which team overall, because there's going to be a lot of talk about this, do you think actually has the best home field advantage going into this weekend? Who's that going to actually matter the most for at this point? I'm going to say Baltimore. You know, they're playing a dome team. Dome team's coming to the cold. It's snowing right as we speak in Baltimore right now. The high tomorrow is 24. The low is 16. So you're going to be in that range. And then if there's some wind, it could be colder than that. Uh, so I would say, and, and that's the biggest spread, too. So it's not like I'm really going out on a limb. But I'm just looking at teams. One comes from a dome. The other is used to playing in this and the, and the field conditions that they're going to be playing in. So I would, I would lean toward Baltimore as the best home field advantage. And what you brought up there is kind of why I'm interested to see Mahomes bringing up that he hasn't played there with fans. And we know how it can sometimes change the mechanics of what you do on the road, right? Being able to use multiple cadences to try and get a look at what the defense does. All that stuff becomes harder on the road. And we know the Kansas City Chiefs have had issues at times with their tackles and guys on the edge. So the guys that would be trying to get a jump, all that stuff 
is a real effect, but Kansas City's used to playing in frigid temperatures. Kansas City's used to a very loud, raucous environment that they play their games in, and so none of that's going to be a shock to the system the way you describe with Baltimore. Dad, I'll go the low-hanging fruit since we saw it brought up in the press conference with Todd Bowles, where unfortunately a media member forgot that the Detroit Lions play inside a dome when they asked how they're preparing for that. Oh, Um, and I'll say Detroit, though, given one, the fact that they're a team that does play in a dome. So they've got that home field advantage. They want to get out there and move on that track. But just what the city of Detroit is going to do. We saw there was the added element of Matthew Stafford coming back last week. It was their first chance at a playoff win in the first time for 32 years. But I think being able to follow that up with another home game, that place is going to be ready to try and blow the lid off that and let the elements in to bother Todd Bulls team. By the way, th- there's no out of that, right? If you do something where you kind of get nailed on it, there's no trying to talk around it. For those that didn't see it, there was somebody asking Todd Bowles, how are you going to prepare for the conditions? I think she was saying it was supposed to be like 13 degrees. How are you preparing? the thing? And you could just see the yeah. look on Todd Bowles' face like, how am I going to answer this without without?" Be, listen, I have been in like Bill Parcells uh, uh, post game or, or press or press conference and not post and just would cringe when I'd hear a question like that of how he would answer. Todd Bowles was basically very nice about it and just said, you know, we do play indoors there. So he did say the only time we'll have to deal with the elements is the 20 second walk from the bus to the stadium. I mean, there you just there's no around that one. You just got to throw your hands up and said, yep, blew that one. Yeah, you got to wear that one. It made me think of the Step Brothers line. Uh, yeah, they're a trophy fish, so yeah. they're pretty big. <laughs> What's this guy's the entire, deal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for ruining the story and possibly the evening. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, shout out to Todd Bowles for being a very kind man in that instance. Yeah. Everybody messes up at certain times. And that one just happened to be a little more public because it's the playoffs and everything matters. Uh, Dad, let's get to the C. Uh, Can you believe it? The underdog that you think has the best chance of winning this weekend. I'm going to go a cop out and say Kansas City. They're a two and a half point dog in a game that we've mentioned is going to have some injury concerns for Buffalo and the second level in the middle on that defense. And so with Kansas City, picking against Kansas City is so scary to me in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes owns beautiful real estate in my head multiple properties because of what he's done in the postseason so i'll say they've got the best chance of pulling this off in the final game of the weekend yeah i'm not going to go with that one to me that's a pick em game uh, but but i get it there's a point difference there so certainly your your choice to do i'm going to go again the game i'm calling no i'm not calling for green bay to win or san fran to win i'm not going to do that when i'm calling the game i have to stay unbiased here but i know a lot of people are thinking here's a seven seed coming into play the top seed in the nfc who got a week off uh you know and and looking to say green bay on the road but green bay is playing so well mike i think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think i think it's going to be a really competitive game because as I, as I keep saying about this, you get a team in Green Bay that's playing well, and you ride when you're playing well. Uh, you know, it's not like you, you're, you're hit and miss. You've been, you've been consistently doing well toward the end of the season, and I'll continue to say the biggest thing is your first-year starting quarterback is not turning the ball over, which you can't do to San Fran and give them extra, uh, extra possessions on offense. So... I think this game is going to be a very, very, very competitive game. 
Boy, I say we got to clip this off for your partner, Ryan Radke, over at Westwood One. What a sell dad is trying to do to get people to tune in and listen to your guys game on Saturday afternoon here. The pressure, the drama, the stakes, the young quarterback in Jordan Love finding a way the ball out here is a really convincing sell, dad. You got me fooled. I tried. I tried. And if you want, you're watching it on TV. Turn the sound down. Turn our radio broadcast on and, uh, you know, check it out. It's a good way to do it as well. There you go. Available. You can check it out on NFL.com. It's got it listed underneath there. So coming up next, why don't we do that? It's the one game we haven't previewed. It is the game yep. that you're getting ready to call. And so we can take a look at dive in San Francisco. One of the teams that we haven't seen for a couple weeks. The one seed got the buy a little refresher course as they get ready to host outside of the Buffalo Bills. You could argue the hottest team in football, given what we've seen both from them on the ground. But all eyes certainly going to be on the heir apparent to the throne that is the Green Bay Packers quarterback room as we do Packers and 49ers next. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Kyle Shanahan's squad is going to try to avoid the Cowboys' fate, becoming the second upset victim this postseason to the Packers. So Shanahan spoke to the media and outlined what he and his squad are doing to prepare for Jordan Love and company. I would say so before um, we got into the playoffs, just because um, you know we hadn't really studied Green Bay and watched them. Um, once we had those 10 days to kind of view a lot of people, it's then you realize that they had a good shot. I mean, it was didn't know who was going to win, but so it didn't surprise me what happened. Um, Dallas is a good team, so you know just the way it started out was a little surprising. But once you watch the tape and you really get into Green Bay and you really think of their numbers and you really watch their players and how they're doing it, um, it doesn't surprise me at all now. And you got all this time and everyone wants to talk about all this stuff that leads up to it, and then there's a lot of stuff to think about. But it comes down to what you do in three and a half hours, and. Um, if you got a little amount of time to prepare for that, a lot of amount of time, um, you know, if it's a team you've played for three times, a, play you haven't, a team you haven't played in two years, there's lots of things to think about and talk about. All we try to do is study the film and prepare for how those three and a half hours will go. Uh, but once it starts, you just cut it loose and you ride. Cut it loose and ride, baby. 
<laughs> yeah, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan is ready for his moment. Dad, this is another guy. We've talked about a lot of people that are walking into the pressure cooker, and Kyle Shanahan has been able to, at every turn, win his way through what would otherwise damn most coaches. Most recently, with what happened with Trey Lance in this organization before the season, missing that badly on a first-round pick that you guys couldn't make work, normally would have doomed a front office, would have doomed the GM and the coach, and instead, because they got Mr. Irrelevant to play like an MVP candidate we paper over all that but it's still kyle shanahan versus the elusive super bowl with a roster that gives them a really good shot going into this season so dad green bay did dominate the cowboys last week what's yeah. the biggest difference that you see in this matchup with the 49ers squad this weekend well i mean they're, they're certainly playing a similar team to motion right i, I believe uh san francisco motions the most uh in the nfl uh, they're sec actually second most, and Green Bay is sixth. These are this is what we see now in the NFL: is <clears throat> put a step counter on motion guys before the play even starts of what they try and do, and it works so well for Green Bay against the Cowboys in confusing the secondary because the Romeo Dobbs three times down the middle of the field Oof. wide open, uh, Musgrave the one touchdown that he had wide open on a crossing route, deep crossing route. So they confused the Cowboys. Now, San Francisco, hell, they're, they're used to seeing this in training camp against their own offense before you get into the season to start, you know, playing the other team's defenses. So that, to me, is watching motion and does it confuse. That's normally what you see is a busted coverage because of motion, is the lack of communication on the defensive side on what you either change to or who has who. And that's when you see guys that are wide open. And whenever you see replays, you're like, oh, God, it's right there. You see where they blew it. Or, you know, you got the crossing routes where you're hoping people run into one another. Uh, or you can get a pick, things like that. So that, to me, is one of the biggest things here. But, you know, when we, we talk about the, uh, the receivers and the passing game between Purdy and, uh, and Love. I mean, and, and what, they, what they've done, you know, from a, from a standpoint of throwing touchdowns, Purdy, uh, what, 33 offensive touchdowns, fifth in the league, Love, 36 touchdowns, fourth in the league. I mean, you know, there's all kind of stats here. But what I'm going to look for is, I mentioned earlier, Aaron Jones, four straight games of over 100 yards yeah. rushing. This old line had been playing well. If they can run the ball well, Jordan Love in play action is absolute money. But Eric Armstead is back and, and the D-line for San Francisco. Javon Hargrave coming over from Philadelphia has been fantastic, right? I mean, he, is, he has been absolute uh, money uh, for, for them since he's come over from tackles and from sacks as well. And if you want to watch two of the most active linebackers in the NFL, oh, watch God. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw from San Francisco. They are active and they are physical. They are going to smoke you. So those two against this interior O-line and Aaron Jones, Mike, is going to be one of the monster keys in this game. Because if they try and run the ball, especially on first down, and it's second and eight, that's a monster win for San Francisco. Those two guys you mentioned are, in my mind, the biggest difference between what yeah. happened to Dallas last week and what's probably going to happen this week. Because on paper, when you look at like the season-long rushing numbers, even the back half of the season, the 49ers' rush defense isn't markedly different than no. the Dallas Cowboys' rush right. defense. But 
we saw linebacker level for the Cowboys was an absolute nightmare. They had safety bodies yes. down there in the box trying to tackle these guys, and it was absolute hell. You get offensive linemen. When Elton Jenkins can go up to the second level and just put a paw on you and displace you by four yards, everything the math ain't mathin' for Dallas in that point. Dre and Fred... Love don't live here anymore, man. This is pain man. that you are going to get at the linebacker level from these guys. And so I, I think for Matt LaFleur, who on the other side, you know, Kyle Shanahan gets a ton of the credit. You talked about the motion for both these teams. These guys were part of that coaching staff in Washington. Everyone talks about Matt's a guy that went up through the McVay coaching tree. So he knows how to use this stuff. They've got a good young tight end room, like a lot of the other young skill players on their team to try and help, I think, create some interesting scenarios before the snap to see if they can slow those guys down a bit because Fred Warner's a pterodactyl playing linebacker. He's scary as hell. And I think this is more about learning about, at least in the, right here, about Green Bay. Because San Francisco, we know about Brock Purdy. We know about Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, who was the tight end this year, right? It's normally been Travis yeah. Kelsey as your all-pro tight end. It was Kittle this year. He had the, the, the money year. So the depth and, and depth of great talent they have on offense is second to none, without question. So we have known about them. That's why I keep bringing up Green Bay, and people don't, you know, unless you're a Packer fan or, or a big-time football fan, we have a lot of, but still, Jaden Reed – I mean, Dontavian Wicks, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft. These are rookies. These are rookies who have carried Green Bay. And then you have Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, second-year guys, who have helped carry this team. I mentioned before, seven players with 25 or more receptions. I mean, it's crazy. They've had 117 explosive plays this year. That's the most in the Matt LaFleur area. And then you get to Jordan Love, and a lot of it is because of these receivers I, I am such a third-quarter guy, Mike. You know that. When you go into the locker room, make your adjustments, how do you come out in the third quarter? What, 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 do, you, what do you make different? Jordan Love is number one in passer rating in the third quarter. Number one. Mm. And in the second half, he's number one in TDs. He's number, passing TDs, total TDs, passing yards, and rating he's number 10. But in the second half, he has been money. The third quarter, he has been money. So how competitive does it stay? I guarantee you, if Green Bay wins the toss, they're going to take the ball again, like they yeah. did against Dallas, to try and set the tempo like they did against Dallas. Maybe a little different here. Like you said, a huge difference at the linebacking core uh, to try and be able to stop that run. Uh, for for Green Bay this year or this week with San Francisco as opposed to Dallas. I do think, and it's usually reductive when we say this, but it's going to come down to what Jordan Love can do in this game because the Green Bay Packers rush defense has been bad for most of the year. Kenny Clark's a monster, and he gave a yep. lot of the interior defense. Often, Zach Martin included, by the way, gave him a really tough game on the mm -hmm. interior, especially versus the run, but this team overall, 23rd in EPA per play allowed against the rush on the season, and this is a 49ers team. I know Christian McCaffrey had the calf late in the season, but they're built to hurt you down the middle in a lot of ways. This is one of the most complex run games in the NFL. We talked about the rush defense and the other side. So, Dad, the biggest area I look is, can Jordan Love do anything close to what he did in the first round? Jordan Love right. was 17th in time to throw during the regular season. He held the ball the second longest of any quarterback on wildcard weekend, 2.86 seconds per pass, going up against a defense down the stretch of the season since week 10, led the NFL with 30 sacks once that Chase Young acquisition came over. Last thing I'll say is, and I said this before, Green Bay did a great job of stopping 
Dallas from yards after the catch. They tackled him. If they caught a three-yard pass, they tackled him at three yards. So I'll say it again. Since 2017, San Francisco, most yards after the catch in the NFL. They live off that. Green Bay needs to stop that again like they did against Dallas, and it's going to be a little more difficult against San Francisco. Yeah, given the weapons they've got in the middle there of Kittle, D, we didn't even talk about Debo Samuel. I'm picking the Niners to win this game. I know you can't pick it. I'd probably take Green Bay and the points because they're riding the heater, but this is going to be the tallest task so far of the Jordan Love era. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Excited to welcome back Clay Matthews, Super Bowl champion, Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer, kind enough to join us again here on behalf of DoorDash. And uh, Clay, you know, it's been a great NFL season. I know you've been working with them and with DraftKings all year on that, uh, helping people try and go after some money. And now it's the playoff time. And I understand the stakes are even higher at this point. Yeah, absolutely. We all know that DoorDash is bringing the guests, the, excuse me, the best game day grub. But if you enjoyed the DraftKings, challenge DoorDash and Clay Matthews series. And now we have a playoff bracket with opportunities to win up to $30,000 in cash prizes. So I know this regular season was a lot of fun for me and, and hopefully for everyone else. So we're just going to keep this thing rolling through the playoffs. There we go. Rocking and rolling. You're used to making a deep postseason run. So no stranger there. And now everyone can try their hand with that too. And uh, speaking of the postseason, Clay, the last time we talked with you, we talked about your old coach facing off against your old team in the Cowboys Packers game. Obviously that one went sideways in a way. I don't think a lot of people could have predicted. How stunned were you by that? I, I was to a certain extent, especially with the success that Dallas had at home you know, being the number one offense and just having so much firepower, just feeling like perhaps this was, I wouldn't say their, their year, but they were just operating on all cylinders. But one of the things we talked about last week was the fact that it's, it's not about who is technically the best team. It's who's the hottest team. And we talked about the Packers being one of the hottest teams and they just went in there and took it to them from the first snap. So in one respect, I'm surprised, but at the same token, I'm not to see that trend continue in the NFL, which is the hottest team is just rolling right now. They certainly were rolling there. Uh, Green Bay got it up however they wanted it. And at the end of it, we got the announcement yesterday that 
Mike McCarthy would be brought back as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Did that part stun you at all? How many people seem to be ready to call for his job after the success they've had so far, albeit in the regular season under his tenure in Dallas? I think it's social media that's calling for his jobs. I think it's the people who thankfully aren't making the decisions. When you look at his record and his resume, but specifically with his time in Dallas, I think it's what, three or four 12-win seasons. And yeah, they haven't had the success in the playoffs, but I mean, good luck finding another coach. I mean, obviously, you know, Belichick got, uh, you know, relieved of his duties, but ultimately, it, much like it is to find a good quarterback, it's difficult to find a good head coach. And, you know, I think he takes unfair criticism, but if you also compare him to some of the greats like, uh, Harbaugh who's obviously currently coaching and Tomlin and even Andy Reid if you look at his first four years in Kansas City they're very much similar so I feel like it's the narrative right now on social media but I mean he, he's a great coach and I mean you heard it from his quarterback and Dak saying a lot of his success is directly tied into what Mike is is teaching and coaching over there so you know, I, I'm not surprised. I would have been surprised if he was let go if he was uh, you know fired so I'm happy to see him back and you know, listen, hopefully they can they can have another fantastic season and, and he can win some playoff games and, and kind of, you know, beat that narrative, so to speak. Why do you see so many players sticking up for him? It felt like a lot of voices from that locker room came to his defense quickly. What about him as a head coach makes players so ready to go to bat for him? You just feel like, you know, you're on the same page as him. You know, he's got your best interests in mind. And, and that comes from personal experience of 10 years of playing with him. I mean, I can't tell you many times he's gone to bat for me and, and we have those one-on-one -on -one meetings and uh, you just feel like he's in your corner. Um, he'll be the first to let you know he's from Pittsburgh. So he, he kind of wears that on his sleeve and will let you know that, you know, he's in your corner and he'll be in your, uh, you know, right behind you at whatever, you know, a moment in time. So ultimately, I, I think he just, um, you know, people recognize not only is he a great coach, but also that he's got your back. It's, there's there's not a lot of separation between the coach and player. It very much seems like you're on the same uh, playing field. So he's sticking around with his job. There's a lot of coaching hires being made right now. One was interesting, and it seems like it's kind of part of a trend. Gerard Mayo takes over after Bill Belichick, you mentioned, being ousted in New England. And we're seeing a lot of linebackers right now falling into these head coaching roles. D'Amico Ryan's had a ton of success in Houston this year. Antonio Pierce took over halfway through the season in Las Vegas. I'm curious from your perspective, what is it about the position of linebacker in particular that makes guys such quality candidates for something like head coach? Sure. Well, I can speak from my firsthand experience when I played you know, outside linebacker, you only had to worry about so much, you, you know, perhaps you're dropping in a zone, you're dropping in the flats, uh, you know, you're rushing the passer, holding outside leverage. And then when I was moved to play inside linebacker, it's not just about knowing two or three things. I mean, you've got to know where your D line is fitting. You've got to be reading the offense. You've got to know, um, obviously quarterback cadence and, and, you know, their pre-snap signals, you got to know where the guys on the back end are. So, I think it's a more cerebral position and requires you to know more of the offense and defense in general. You can't just lock in on your position. And furthermore, you're the leader of the defense. Usually it's the one that has the microphone that other guys look up to. So you kind of take on this position of authority and kind of the coach on the field. And, you know, you see that from uh, uh, Fred Warner up there in San Francisco and Smith in Baltimore. Um, and going back to, you know, guys like Ray Lewis, they're the leader 
of not only the defense, but sometimes it transcends to the entire team. And it just seems like a natural transition once they get out of the league to, you know, be a GA kind of assistant coach and work their way up because they have all that knowledge and leader leadership ability. So uh, one other thing you've got a lot of experience with, in addition to being a great linebacker, understanding what makes those guys tick, playing in Green Bay, you played in a lot of cold games. And we saw this past weekend, the temperatures dipped down pretty low. There was a lot of snow. The game had to get moved in Buffalo. And then you had record setting cold in Kansas City. And we saw the way that Miami team that had been a high flying offense all year came in and really didn't look like themselves. Did you see a lot of that over the course of your career where teams that were either dome teams or teams that were warm weather teams came in and really struggled with you guys like that? Is that something everyone's pretty aware of? Yeah, I I do believe it is a, a home field advantage when you're bringing in a warm weather team to a cold environment. But at the same token, you everyone has to deal with the elements. So not only is it, you know, you got to get the right cleats, you got to understand uh, there's less um, explosive movements without slipping, but it's also the mentality and having that kind of mental fortitude and toughness to understand, all right, we're going to be out in these elements for four hours. And, and when you obviously practice and live in those cold elements, it makes it that much easier. And you kind of play into it in the city and the fans, they, they, they learn to, to thrive in it. So uh, for, for you, what was it like getting ready for the game? Were you a sleeves off kind of guy? What did you need to do as far as the prep to get ready to be a vet playing in the cold? There wasn't a whole lot to it. I, I, I tend to tell people this quite a bit, you know, what was it like playing up there in green Bay? I, I think when you live in it and it's a gradual uh, decline in temperatures from, you know, 70 to 60, 50, 40, 30, you know, and it just continues to go down. You just, you you get used to it. And as I just said, it kind of plays to your advantage. It's, it's the, the home field advantage. Whereas perhaps if you're playing down in Miami, you know, it's going to be beautiful weather, but it's going to be uh, very similar to the greatest show on turf. So in that regard, it's just a mentality. It's letting people know that, you know, when I was in Green Bay, if they were going to come through, they had to, you know, play their best ball and they were going to deal with some uh, some pretty terrible elements. Did you have you ever seen anything like Patrick Mahomes helmet literally shattering in the cold the way it did this weekend? I, I've never seen that before. Uh, I was more amazed at how the refs just stopped the game and just, you know, they were like, oh, well, just let's just let this one slide. Give it, you know, stop the clock, give him a new helmet as opposed to calling a timeout. But I mean, that goes to show the helmet's working. Uh, but no, I've never seen anything like that. We've had some cold some cold games there, but uh, nothing in that regard. Yeah, as you said, the, helmet, the helmet's definitely working. Everyone came out from the helmet side, from the league side. They're like, no, 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 this is a good thing. This means it's all going the right way here. So, uh, Clay, uh, we know you got a lot going on, man, so we appreciate you taking the time down here. We're sad to see the Christmas tree in the Matthews household now gone at this point here, man. It was a big, beautiful tree for everyone that watched last time. So uh, I'm sorry you're no longer dealing with that beauty in your house now. Well, I think we're the only house in the neighborhood who sells the Christmas lights up. So it's only a matter of time for the HOA says, uh, you know, we're going to get fined or, or nicked for not taking them down. So we're still holding on and, you know, perhaps we'll move straight to Valentine's Day next. There we go. The Matthews household holding strong with the holiday spirit in the face of fines potentially coming from the HOA. Clay, can't thank you enough joining us on behalf of DoorDash, all the cool work you're doing there. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me back on. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make these playoffs electrifying. 
New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings Sportsbook got you covered with the lines, odds, and props for all of this weekend's NFL divisional round games. Like the Chiefs and the Bills. The Bills, a two-and-a-half point home favorite, finally get the Chiefs on the road. But can you really bet against Patrick Mahomes in the postseason? I don't know. You can figure that out, though. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code GOJO. New customers, you can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time to wrap this thing up the way we always do. This, that, the third, three quick stories to send everybody into the weekend, the divisional round, one of the best sports weekends of the year. Uh, as always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Try and catch us live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, all that good stuff. Let somebody know we're out here clanging and banging Monday through Friday live. But if you miss any of that or our great guests like Clay Matthews third, who was kind enough to join us today, you can catch that wherever you get your podcasts or available here on YouTube right when we get done. Uh, let's get to this, that, and the third, Dad, and let's, uh, let's fillet up some beef here. Good old-fashioned Twitter beef that started wow. during wildcard weekend. The Philadelphia Eagles were losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Jalen Hurts was under siege against the Blitz the whole night, which prompted former Washington Commanders offensive coordinator Jay Gruden to tweet something to the effect of, oh, I feel bad for Jalen Hurts and how they're not protecting him. I apologize to any of my quarterbacks if I ever put you in a situation like that. Kind of just trying to have some fun with it. Right. Robert right. Griffin III, one of the quarterbacks, quarterbacks that he played with decided to start tweeting in a back and forth that's basically ended with robert accusing jay gruden of saying i know where the bodies are buried there you didn't have me prepared he tried to do the classic content spin of come on my podcast and discuss it face to face here dad so uh, what did you make of this and who should we start beef with because it seems like everybody in sports media is beefing with somebody right now publicly i i i just don't get it, it, it you know what it's tiring. It's just tiring to read about, let alone, let alone be involved in it. I don't want to pick a Twitter beef with anybody because I'm not good enough. I always had to go to my brother Greg to give me, you know, bleep talking lines out on the field. I was two words, F you. That was that was it. That's all I had. Wait, do you had a trash talking ghostwriter? Yes. Yes. <sighs> Yes, I did. And occasionally I use it. For the most part, I didn't. I was too busy trying to not get beat on the play, keeping all the air in my lungs. So it just was F you to, to a guy that, that talked smack to me. So I was always amazed at that. So I don't, I don't want beef with anybody unless it's good humored beef. This isn't. You know, I, I, I don't know. Who, does anybody win in this? I mean, what happens is nothing changes. People that like RG3 will be on his side. People that don't like RG3 won't be on his side. Same for Jay Gruden. That's how this works. The one thing I have learned about Twitter over the years is you can't change anybody's mind. 
on what, whatever road they're going down, no matter how much you cuss at them, be nice to them, whatever, you're never going to change them. I don't care if it's sports, politics, religion, whatever in life. You are not changing anybody's opinion on Twitter because it's too easy to just type in your reply and not talk face-to-face with somebody. So that's how these things Why go. Why can't people if just be like, nicer they like on you, Twitter? If they don't like you, they're against you. I, I do think this one, it's interesting to a lot of people because that Washington situation was interesting. Having Kirk Cousins there, all the dynamic between the two. The winner in this, um, by the way, is Will Compton, who was on that team, who put out a great, uh, great video about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that they referenced with that team there and how it was kind of an icy situation between Jay Gruden and Robert Griffin III because injury undermined what looked like a promising career at the start. I can tell you of my former co-workers who I want the least beef with, Chris Canty. Between being a guy who yeah. is a wanter of the smoke in any conflict and who also is just one of the most staggeringly large human beings I've yeah. ever seen. Because it came down to seeing it in person. Chris Canty would rip both my arms off and beat me to death with him. He is a terrifyingly large man. And I think the person maybe we wouldn't mind having Twitter beef with is our buddy Jason Fitz, right? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't mind having Twitter beef with, with him. Yeah. No, tell, we, would, I would hear say this. we could pass. Yeah. 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 He'll hear this or see this and he'll try and come back at us with something and we'll, we'll laugh. Yeah, and then we'll read it in his giggly Muppet voice, and it'll yeah. need to remove all of the bite from whatever trash talk he was trying to put out there. So uh, let's instead focus on celebrating somebody. And Jesse, we have talked about this kid on the show before. Our hero is going to be back and better than ever in college football next season. University of Miami tight end Cam McCormick. He is returning for his ninth season of college ball. Let's go. So he's able to play a ninth season of college football, you know, because he had all these injuries, basically causing him to miss four seasons of football. Then there's that extra year of eligibility that athletes received as part of the COVID-19 pandemic situation. Guys, no college football player has ever had nine seasons of eligibility before. To put it in perspective, how long McCormick has been in college, he was a member of the same Oregon recruiting class as Justin Herbert. He was also wow. a member of the same high school recruiting class as Rashawn Gary, Nick Bosa, and Jalen Hurts, all of whom we have watched in the NFL postseason so far this season. Dad, this guy's a hero. Modern-day Van Wilder. I would love to see a GoPro strapped on this guy for his day-to-day -day interactions with his young-ass teammates. We tell everybody in college now, stay in college forever. Cam is really trying to live that. And seriously, when, when he leaves, my, is he going to be a doctor? I mean, nine years? I mean, that's plenty of time, right? So Brian Floyd, uh, friend on, a friend on Twitter, posted his um, like degrees on here. So he's got a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism and Communications with an emphasis in advertising from Oregon. He's also got a Master's in Advertising and Brand Responsibility from Oregon. And right now he is enrolled in Miami uh, post-baccalaureate, which I'm guessing is... So when I was a fifth-year senior... I took non-degree-seeking graduate classes. I took three classes, only one met on campus, and it was twice a week, and if it rained, I wouldn't go. I was essentially a professional athlete for my final year of college. I have a feeling that's what this might be like here. The activities oh. and societies is uh, what he's listed under there, so yeah. this guy is going to hang out in South Beach for a season on a Miami team that could be pretty good next year, so good for him. Yeah, I mean, what's he possibly going to take at this point? So here it is real quickly. Well, I mean, he was, his, I should his, say he was there last year, obviously, too. I should yeah, say yeah, that. yeah. So, yeah he's. so here's his rundown, just in case anybody wants to know. And it started out fine. He went to Oregon in 16, and he redshirted, okay? 17, he played in every game. So all going well, right? 
18, uh, in, in 2018, first game of the season, he hurt his ankle. He had multiple surgeries, so he missed all of 18, and he missed all of 19 because of that same ankle injury. 20 was a pandemic. 21, second game in, he blew out his Achilles. So now, and then 22, he played in all 13 games for Oregon. And then in 23, last year, he played for Miami, and now we'll play in Miami again. So unbelievable. What, what he's gone through, and kudos to him. Living the life, stay in college forever, enjoy the experience, even though you're the old man on campus. Cherish it, for the love of oh, God. God, cherish so true. Uh, speaking of things that we want to cherish, let's, uh, Jesse, send everyone off into the weekend with the most wholesome image humanly possible. Yeah, no thoughts, just vibes. Uh, Joel Embiid on a merry-go-round. <laughs> Need I say more? Okay, so Embiid was at the Sixers SYF Gala, which is the youth foundation. Um, and we got this amazing video of him on a merry-go-round just vibing. I mean, the vibes are immaculate, fellas. Look at him. Look at him. He's on a horse. He's having the time of his life. Now, this event actually took place after he played Nikola Jokic on Tuesday, outdueled him on the court. So there's some people on the internet who are suggesting that he was trolling him by riding the pony. I don't think that's true, but oh, just a happy God. coincidence. I, you know what? We do. We, we, we yeah. love happy accidents. Um, I also just love big people doing normal people things. Yeah, yeah. Like anytime you can have someone that's as comically large as Joel Embiid is in a setting where we get to see dad, it's like we always campaign in the Olympics to have a normal person competing in the event so you can see yeah. just how high the degree of difficulty is. These are always fun because we see these guys on the court in the context of each other and they look tall, but you never have the full appreciation until you're down there or until you see Joel Embiid riding a merry-go-round that normally little kids at the mall ride. I was going to say to I be remember, fair it's not just like for it's usually for children i would say so yeah yeah i did an eagles game last year and i was on the sideline before the game and he came down on the field and we just chatted for a brief second and it, it's ridiculous that we're I, I mean looking up to him is just ungodly but i will say that that ride is one of the few rides that goes around in a circle that i can do those are the death of me those oh, are the death ooh, of me at yeah. any amusement City? park yeah, I can't, can't go on a like teacups at Disney. I, I'll throw up. Hmm. I hate the rotary ride because being a oh. larger guy, the one where the bottom drops out and it yes. just sticks you to the wall with the centrifugal force. I'm, I was so heavy as a kid, I would slide down and end up getting choked by my shirt on the oh. ride and giving myself a wedgie as I slid down the wall. Enjoy the divisional oh. round. Download, subscribe, rate, <laughs> review us. Have a good weekend. <laughs>